Welcome back, talkers, to the I'm Just Talking podcast with me, your host, Cello. This is uh, a special edition, lack of a better term. It is currently Mother's Day, May 9th, 2021. Of course, with that being said, I'm going to talk about my mother, the two women that bore children for me, and one of my children who became a mother. Um, It's also my first with my new blue um, ice snowball snowball ice microphone, which was a present from my my girlfriend, one of my children's mother. And I hope this comes out good. I'm recording right off the uh, the microphone into the the browser. so hopefully the quality is good and you can hear it as much better rather than me talking into a telephone, although, Talking into the telephone seems to be a little bit more like I'm talking on a telephone. Um, of course, thanks everybody for listening. Everybody that's come back, a few hits on my latest endeavor into sports talk um, is doing okay. Remember, I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Cast, Castbox, Radio Public, and uh, I always forget one Breaker. Uh, eight eight platforms and hopefully more to come. If anybody knows anybody that works for Blue or Yeti or the microphone company, I'll gladly give them a shout as well. Um, follow me here on any of those platforms or on Instagram. So without further ado, let's let's get into it. We got plans today, so let's do it. Um, of course, honorable mention. If you guys listen to my International Women's Day um, episode. This is it, it. I don't want it to be more of the same, but there's honorable mentions in there. A lot of these women, all of them, which all of which are mothers, get honorable. You know, I could talk about them again, but I just you know want to give a shout out to D, Lisa, Mama Willie, Carol, my mother-in-law. Um, D and Lisa, are my mom's friends. D, uh, Mama Willie's my my best friend's mom, and then Carol's my mother-in-law. All very influential women, great mothers in their own right. Um. So I wanted to give them an honorable mention right up front. Thank you, ladies, for being a part of my life. And, uh, you know, maybe you guys each will have your own little episode at some point, too. Um, So the first person I want to talk about is, like, lack of a better term, I guess, kind of my childhood sweetheart, Um, Amy. She was the the mother. She is the mother of my, my daughter, Isabella. And, of course, like every person in my generation, you know, the relationship didn't last, um, but we got a great kid out of it. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, stuff that goes into trying to co-parent at a young age and a lot of, you know, somewhat, you know, negative stuff. But the positive thing is I just wanted to thank her for never keeping me from my daughter. she never once said no. Um, we had knockdown drag outs for over things that now seem trivial but she'd never denied me to see the see the to see the child. She never held that, no matter what I ever said. She never held that against me. Um, and I think our daughter has is very well adjusted for it. And I think that comes from, you know, being a mother and wanting your child to have a good relationship with their father. So, and I think good mothers do that. 
Um, she rarely, you know, had any issue with me coming over at the drop of a hat. And I actually probably never had any issue. I shouldn't even say rarely. You know, I would, I lived far away for a while and about 35 minutes away, you know, apart. But if I was in town, I would drop over at the drop of the hat and it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a problem. So, you know, I just wanted to thank her for that. She went through some things that she survived. Um, and, you know, she's a, a wonderful grandma. She's been a really good mom. Um, it's also her birthday today. So happy birthday, Aim. Um, we've gotten past it. We're on the other side. Um, and we, 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 I think we could do a co-parenting episode at some point. Just wanted to say happy Mother's Day. Thank you for allowing me to be around or, or not, you know, fighting me to be around. And I think that just shows that you do love our daughter and that you were willing to look past any shitty things I've might've said or any shitty times we had gone through to make sure that, you know, it was about our daughter. And I think a mother's love, it should be about that. Um, the next one is my girlfriend who is the, the mother of my, of our son. Um, so, but I think the interesting part of this is when we met Bella was about four years old and I think she fell in love with Bella beforehand. So, you know, take, helping me take care of Bella, helping me see Bella, making sure that if, you know, I had to work at a drop of a hat, Bella was, you know, taken care of and, and those sorts of things. Um, she was very, very easygoing. Bella loves her to death. Bella never once said, you know, when I came home, you know, Christina was mean to me or she beat me or something, you know, dramatic or denied me food. I mean, hell, she made handmade clothes for Bella, took Bella, you know, yard sailing and thrift shopping and, you know, great presence throughout the years. And that's really her love language is really paying attention to the things you're into and buying you things. Um, and, you know, she's a wonderful mother, of course, to our son. Our son is a very polite, smart, bright young man. And he gets a lot of that from her. Um, and I can't thank her enough for being there when I needed her the most, whether that was helping me build a career, you know, most importantly, when I was, you know, kind of a single dad, kind of struggling with making sure that, you know, Bella got to and from letting me use her car uh, to go make sure Amy got to work so that, you know, we had as much stability as possible and someone like her really stabilized. So when she got, when she got pregnant, it wasn't, it wasn't really dramatic. Like it was different because I didn't know if I was ready. Like I was more nervous to tell Bella that she was pregnant than anything else. Um, but it was just a seamless fit. Like, so much so we would go out in public and people would think that Bella is her daughter. I mean, Bella is effectively her daughter at this point, but you know, in, a, in an age of blended families and people have horror stories about stepmoms, I haven't heard any such stories. So definitely thank you. Um, of course I love you. And you, you know, you started out being a mom, like you could have had your first mother's day that year because you were like there that, that, that May, like early that year. And, you know, and it just takes a different person to take on somebody else's kid. Not again, Amy wasn't absent or anything, but 
you know, it, it just certainly helped me keep things in line. It certainly helped me be, you know, available when I wasn't. So like a weekends, you know, when you're in the restaurant business, you work weekends and, you know, Bella got entertained and got taken care of and was part of the family here to give Bella that, that somewhat normalcy, you know, it wasn't like dad was all by himself and, you know, I was for a couple of years, but she just, I don't know. It's just, I could just go around in circles about how she took another person's kid under her wing and, and, and did so many different things that shows that she had that mother's love in her. And then when she got pregnant with Diego and then Diego came, you know, it was maybe it kind of helped her too. Maybe it was like a seamless transition. She sort of knew what to do. Um, her entire world revolves around him. Um, and it should, um, there's no better way to be a mom than to be fully invested in your kids. And she was invested in Bella she's invested in him and she certainly helps, you know, the wheels turn in this family, you know, whether that be, you know, coordinating something like a birthday party or a Christmas or, you know, and that doesn't even count the stuff that normally happens, you know, the, the tedious day-to-day stuff, but, you know, staying, staying home and taking care of kids is a big deal. And she did it. Um, you know, Diego's not quite out of the house yet, but I'm sure once he decides to venture out into the world, she has done much more to prepare him than I could ever imagine. She did a lot, a lot to prepare Bella, you know, too. And uh, those kids love you to death. Um, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that if we had more kids, that they would be equally loved and, uh, you know, more or less Diego completed her. I mean, bar none. There's no way. There's no way that I think she would look back on life and she probably can't even imagine because I can't imagine not having him. Um, and it completed her. Um, I got a little bit of an earlier start in life. She got a little bit of a later start in life with having kids, but I just couldn't have picked a better partner for Bella than me. And I couldn't have picked a, a better a mom for my, my son. So thank you, babe. I love you. And, um, you know, it, it takes a woman to complete a family and, and you did it for us. Thank you. Uh, next one is my Bella, my little boo-boo. Um, I said in a Facebook post earlier today that Bella's always been a, uh, a hopeless romantic. I, th- I think of maybe all those Disney movies that I watched made her, you know, believe in true love. And, uh, you know, as a teenager, she had a couple of relationships and this, that, and the other, and I'm glad they didn't turn out. But, um, I guess as a father, and I, even with my son too, I guess you don't think far ahead to say, you know, you're going to have grandkids or how you're going to be you know, how your kids are going to be with their children. I think you just kind of hope that you've done enough to, that they will be good people. And you just kind of assume that they're going to be good parents. She, um, this is her second mother's day. A little, little baby. I call him the Prince. Sometimes I call him Ziggy. Little Isaiah. He's just about 14 months old. Um, he is the light of our lives and he's just a genuinely happy baby. Now, this is hard because I can't give you, you can't see this, but she posted 
Well, the other thing too is Amy always saying to Bella, "My, you are my sunshine," and that's kind of like their thing. And uh, Bella last night posted something on Instagram that just took my breath away. Little 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 Zay, little Kane was kind of playing with her hair and trying to give her kisses, and then and then you are my son. Bella tagged up, "You are my sunshine" in it, and just the look on his face and how much he loved her and how much he wanted to kiss her and hug her and, and be around her. You just know that she's doing something right as a mother. Um, she's hustling her butts off, her butt off. She's taking nothing for granted. And that baby's taken very well care of. Now, of course it takes a village. Um, but just the fact that I didn't consider her mature, to be honest, until you know, she was like in her 20s. She was in, she was a college athlete trying to, you know, trying to participate in, in water polo and then swimming. And, and that's hard enough when you're a superstar, but when you're, you know, a late bloomer and you're, you're, you're working out two, three times a week, you know, her relationship with the baby daddy probably suffered a little bit in the beginning, you know, and then I'm like, you know, maybe she's not that mature. Maybe, you know, maybe she was a late bloomer because of some other circumstances, and then she gets pregnant and I get worried. I'm like, yo, you guys are going to struggle. You're going to struggle for 10, 20 years. Um, the father's an excellent dude. Like he's a worker. He's not a lazy. He's not a jackass. He's not an asshole. So that's, that's a plus. But she's just so much more mature. Like she works. She doesn't complain. She grinds. And I think the baby changed her in that way. And just seeing them together, it's like the greatest thing, man. It's like... If you could see me right now, like I'm smiling ear to ear, like, and it's weird because I see her in him and that's the second generation now. So as a grandfather, you think, holy shit, like this is her baby, which is an extension of my baby. And just the fact that she's an excellent mother, she's, and, and, and she has the, the luxury, so to speak, of having, you know, social media to chronicle all this, but great pictures, awesome birthday party for him. Easter was fantastic, you know, uh, and just the way that that solidified again, our family has just been amazing to watch. I can't even imagine her having more kids only because this one little boy is like, so special to us. And like I said, he was born St. Patrick's Day. Well, I didn't say that. Um, I've said this before in a blog post that he's the boy that saved us because he came right as the pandemic hit. He was born on the 7th. He was born on St. Patrick's Day. California started shutting down on the 16th of March that year on 2020. So, like, he just saved us. And he's certain, I mean... Bella didn't need saving necessarily, but he certainly changed her life. And it's so obvious and evident. Um, I think she posted after he was born that she always wanted to be a mom. And I guess that's just something that dads and daughters don't talk about. And it's so obvious that she waited until, you know, thank God she waited till she was an adult actually, but she waited and she got the baby. She got the baby she was supposed to have. He's a blessing. Um, it came when he came when he was supposed to come and just everything she does for that little boy. And I feel like we strangely too, is I have a pretty close relationship with her anyways, but I feel like me and her talk a lot more now 
when we talk, you know, we don't just talk about the baby. We talk about more adult things. So you're doing a great job, Bells. Um, we love the baby. I love the mother you are. I, the, of course, you have the mother's glow. The, the look in your eye when you talk about him or when you talk with him is just, it takes my breath away. And I love you and I love him. Happy second Mother's Day, boob. Boo-boo, uh, you know, many, many more. Um, I'm going to spend the, the balance of, I'm trying to make this about a half hour deal, but I'm going to spend the balance talking about my mom. And I've talked about my mom before, but, and I don't want, you know, not necessarily personal anecdotes, but I want to talk about the things that I learned from her. Of course, all of those things that I said about the other lady, she, my mother lives and dies for her children to a fault um, in the sense that she, she, she would literally, she'd literally take a bullet for us. And I guess any real mother would do that. And the real reason I say to a fault is, is because I'm 40 years old and God forbid I drink a little too much. She tells me I shouldn't drink at all. So it's just one of those things. My mom has always been for her kids, by her kids, about her kids, the whole thing. And she would have had 10, 15 kids, assuming her body would have, would have held up. There's five of us. I don't feel like she ever treated any of us different. Um, I don't feel like there was a favorability towards any one of us. She was the type, and she got lucky too, because I'm the shortest male in the family. So my younger brothers are five and six and a half years apart from me. But like, I'm so short that I could, when she bought, like, for example, in the 90s starter jackets, I wore the same size as them, even though they were younger than me. So she got, you know, she would get three different kinds. She would, she, she was a share and share alike kind of person. Um, three, you know, if she got baseball caps, we all, we got three different kinds and we shared. If she got, you know, sneakers got a little bit crazy there at, at some points, but there was times we all got, you know, the same kind of shoe. My sister was different because she didn't wear starter gear, but, you know, my mother, I have memories of, you know, her bag and groceries um, and then stocking shelves at night at the commissary on the, on the uh, Mitchell Field on Long Island. And uh, I have, you know, other memories, like one we used to have, like, these cookouts and shit and we were playing softball and everybody was like, Oh, Tony's up. She's not going to hit. And she hit it over everybody's head. My mom's good with one liners. She has, you know, she, she comes up with a one liner. She also has English as a second language. So she'll use a word wrong and it's the most hilarious thing. Um, but when I started making the Facebook post for her today, um, I started thinking about, you know, all of the things that, that mothers do, like she does. She works tirelessly. Her work ethic is, and even now, and is probably second to none. Um, the lady never really takes a day off. There's always something that she was doing, you know, um, whether it was work all day and have a party at night for an occasion. You know, my, my parents weren't partiers, but, you know, or it was try to be there for you, you know, in some fashion for the extracurriculars you were doing, which brings me to one small little memory that, that, that somewhat haunts me till this day. So I was in the seventh grade and my first organized football year, which I didn't play very much, by the way, was on Long Island. And the last game of the year, she told me she would be, she would try to make it cause she couldn't make it. And she didn't make it in time. I didn't even play, but I was so upset that she didn't show up. I, I said some probably, probably said some mean shit 
And I and I do remember the look on her face. So I apologize about that, Ma. I know you're going to listen to this because you try to listen to all of them. And you probably don't even remember that day. But um, I think there's two things that I learned from her. And again, next Mother's Day, I could talk about her again. I could talk about her every day. Um, two things I learned most about from her is one of them I think is indirect, where I got an incredible work ethic and an incredible desire to be the best. And I think that that came from her, came from her. It had to have, she worked, like I said, a couple of jobs. So I try to do everything better than everybody else. And I don't often succeed, but I will, I will work and I will work and I will try to get the job done. Even if it means getting the job done myself. And I think that that was more of a visual. That was one of those leadership skills that she didn't know she had. That was one of those parenting skills that she didn't know she had. She worked every day. Um, she didn't do easy jobs. And I don't mean that to discredit anybody that maybe has an easy job, but she bagged groceries. Um, there was memory. I don't have the memory necessarily, but she worked in fast food places. She cleaned hotels, you know, when I was real, real young. And there's all these and there was times where she did two jobs. Um, and I don't recall her ever calling in sick for work. I don't recall her ever not going to work. Unless, of course, she was on vacation. And she worked hard and she saved money. She saved money kind of the old school way. But we, you know, we never, we had a lot of kids in the house. She didn't make a lot of money. My dad didn't make a lot of money. But she'd never let us go without, never. So I think that work ethic just came from watching her. You know, I knew, I knew as an eight, nine year old, she had two jobs. I knew, um, you know, there's an instance, you know, this is not going to make sense to a lot of people, but there was an instance, uh, you know, when you live on a military base, if you're military, you're fine. If you're an American kid and you live overseas, you sort of pay a tuition. So there was a couple of times that she had to do that and she had to work extra to, to, to make those things, those things happen. And it was always a make it happen kind of a attitude. And I think that's where I got that from. It, it was always, if she could do it, she would. And there was very rare times where she didn't. And again, to her, that's a detriment to her because now, you know, everybody, we don't realize that people get up there in age and stuff. And we think, oh, you know, they'll do it. They'll pull through. And she's pulled through. I'm not saying she's not gonna, but what I'm saying is, is that, I posted some pictures today and I'm like, man, you know, that was like 35 years ago. And she just always, always pushed through. And she was different. She was always into different stuff. Like she didn't, you know, she wanted to have kind of wild haircut, wild haircuts. Um, always dressed very nice. Always made sure we dressed very nice. Um, if it was different, she was interested. Whether it was different food, different clothing, different hairstyles, different music. And I think I inherited some of that too. Like I'm all about like, the stuff, the stuff that's not somewhat normal. And I think a little bit abnormally in that regard too. So I think that these are the things that you just absorb from your parents. And in particular, my mother, because she was a very, very big influence on us. And of course, I talked a little bit about in my military brat experience. There was a few years there. It was just my mom while my dad was deployed. So I just, I want to thank her for the tireless work ethic. She instilled in me that I inherited. However, I got it. Like, I don't think I'd be nearly as far along in life as I am. And I wouldn't have courage. I wouldn't have a toughness. 
that she just showed. She never, well, she did talk about being tough, but like it was never a situation where I don't want to go to work today or I don't want to do this for you or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, it was always, it was just there. It was, she worked. And then when we, in our later years, she worked literally every day. There was a, the store was only closed. She worked at the commissary again. I think the store was closed on Mondays or maybe it even wasn't because we lived overseas and she worked like every single day, seven days a week, eight, 10 hours a day, probably, you know, and, but she did it. And I think she did it mostly for us because she, again, we had nice stuff, but it wasn't flashy stuff. We never had the nicest car in the neighborhood. We had, you know, we always had Jordans and things like that, but it was like, she knew how to stretch a buck. So we, we had what we needed and, uh, she was very practical in that, and it, it helped. It definitely helped me be who I am. The second half of that is how to be tough and soft and how to balance that. If I any, ever had any trouble with kids in school, it was, you know, she would she would give me the comeback liners or make sure that they don't talk bad about you, or if they say this, you tell them, you know, you don't be scared. You, you speak up. You stick up for yourself. You don't... Uh, you don't let anybody push you around. And I was always the smallest kid. So, you know, if I was being bullied, she would she would have no problem with me sticking up for myself. And if she knew if I was defending myself, I wouldn't get in trouble. It didn't happen to me a ton, ton that I got bullied. But if I did and and somebody got wind of it, you know, I got into a fight with a kid in front of a bowling alley. Um, and, you know, the Daspies were called. And when she found out that, you know, the situation, she went to bat for me. She would not let me lose if she knew that I was right. And I think that's, again, that's an indirect toughness that you, that you learn. And when things aren't right, you speak up about them. And when things, when people aren't treating you right, you speak up. Um, my mom is like the epitome of keep it real where she's going to say it. It's not always going to be nice. It's not always going to be what you want to hear. But I think she had a pretty good knack of telling you what you needed to hear at the right time. And whether that's, I don't know if this girl is for you, or I don't think these friends are really your friends. Like, for example, those years my father was gone, she wasn't letting me just go out and run around New York, you know. I think one time I snuck on the bus to a different neighborhood, and I was afraid I was going to get caught. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, I'm going to hang out with Brian, okay. Where are you going? Who are you with? Is there parents there? Can I sleep over? No, you can't. And you didn't tell and you didn't, and you listened to your mom, you know, my, my parents in general weren't, a, weren't physical. They weren't uh, those eighties, nineties parents, seventies, eighties parents where they hit you. But my mom raised her voice or something. You, you kind of knew, you know, she instilled that sort of, I'm the parent boundary, but then there would come times when, you know, if she knew you were sad or her intuition, which she has like this Sicilian sorcery thing going on, if her intuition told you you told her you were sad, she'd find a way to make you not sad. She tried to make you feel special. And in, in a house with four other kids, my older brother was there too, but he was older, so there was times he didn't live with us. You know, you didn't feel like, or at least I didn't. I don't know about the other siblings. It'd be great to get my other siblings on. You didn't feel like somebody else was getting more attention. She attended to what your needs were as an individual. And even though those there was those times where she was keeping it real and she was telling you, you know, this person's not really your friend or, you know, I don't think this is going to work out the way you think it is. 
when it worked out, she was there to cheer you on. To a fault. Like, up until recently, I was very, very fat. And I don't recall her ever saying I was fat. You know, all, and then I, you know, I let my beard grow, my hair grow. Um, when I was visiting her last year during the pandemic, and it was like, oh, you look nice with long hair. And I'm like, mom, you're, you're my mother. Of course you're going to think. You know, she's your biggest, she's your biggest fan always. But she's also one of those people that they're so genuine that they're not going to be your fan to a fault. If you screw up, she's going to tell you you screw up. You know, um, funny thing is, and I should have mentioned this, she coined the phrase, I'm just talking. She she loves to talk. She loves, she'd been a great like editorial person. She loves to, you know, debate. Uh, she'd have been a great lawyer like she wanted to be. And she would have, she was talking about somebody. She was talking about how, uh, I can't even remember, but she was just, but she didn't want it to be a negative connotation in the conversation. We were talking about some, some situations that happened with this other person and that person and how, you know, the, the philosophy behind why she thinks one side is right, one side is wrong or whatever. But she wasn't talking about how she was bad mouthing somebody. She was just like, Hey, I'm just talking. So that's where this, the, the name for this came up. Looks like I'm having a red uh, time frame here. So this might have to wind up being two segments. But so when it was time to soften and you needed a pat on the back or your girlfriend broke up with you or, you know, you were scared because you were moving somewhere else, she told you not to be scared. She knew how to soften herself to be, to, to, to give you that mother's love, you know, and to, to let you to let you hurt, sort of, but let you know that it was going to be okay. That you weren't going to, you were going to survive. That you were going to make it. And, you know, things were going to work out. And I think that's just her her mental toughness was like that. All right, so second segment. I guess I only got 30 minutes via web base, but I'm only going to go a couple more minutes. So I started saying that, you know, she was softening when she had to be. And because she was, she had that toughness mindset, I think it helped her to know that you, you can make it through. So you're going through a rough time. Girlfriend breaks up with you. You're sad or whatever. She knows this. Then she gives you the, the pep talk, whether that's that girl wasn't for you don't worry. Don't let it keep you down. Show her that you're not scared. It's like she was trying to, she was telling you how to be tough, but in, but she was also letting you down easier in terms of, she was saying, you know, don't let anybody else kind of control your emotions. So, but not in a, she wasn't telling you this in a tough way. She was just telling you in a matter of fact, kind of like, Hey, these are things that happen in life. There's nothing you can do about them. Don't let it, don't let it control you. Don't let it give you, you know, don't let it long-term hurt you. And I think a lot of that is from her own personal experience of, you know, certain things here and there, but you also have to, you have to balance. There's times you got to be, you got to crack the whip with your kids. And there's times when you got to really, you know, you got to be the pillow they fall on. 
Now, I'm not very emotional in that terms. Like, I don't remember, you know, breaking up with a girl, breaking up with me because it happened more than I broke up with anybody. And, like, crying over it or being, you know, crying in her arms and shit. But she knew. Like, she knew. Um, and then as we started experiencing some of those things with kids leaving and stuff, it was... She just, again, she it's, it's hard to articulate, and maybe this isn't even the right subject, but she just had such a knack for knowing when to be, like, really tough lovish and when she really needed to be loving, loving. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, like, if I called her tomorrow and told her I needed her here, she'd find a way to get here. I know with uh, without a shadow of a doubt if for some reason I I lost everything, she'd help me regain it. Um, I know without a shadow of a doubt though, too, that if I screw up and I screwed up badly, like if I lost everything because, you know, I was a crackhead, she'd be the first to tell me, well, it's your fault for being a crackhead. But she would also be the one to nurse you back to health. When you decided to not be a crackhead, she'd know. She'd know if it was genuine and she would give you the shirt off her back over and over. Even if you took the shirt off of her, Rather than her offering the shirt, she'd, she'd do that. Um, there is so many things that you learn from your mother that you don't know that you learn. Love is the number one. And love's come, love comes in many different forms. There's some people that are just sweet and nice. They hug and they kiss. There's other people that are just, you know, they're there for you when you need them. Um, there's other people that are, you know, that balance it well. I don't think she intentionally... I think she just went on instinct, I guess is what I'm saying. She knew she knew what buttons to push and when to push them. And she knew what when it was time to like open up and let her guard down. And then she knew when it was time to be like, no, you are not going to stay at your friend's house without his parents there and, you know, run all over Long Island and get yourself into trouble. Um And I thank her for that because I think I don't balance it nearly as well, especially as a parent, but I think I can balance my emotions enough to where things won't linger. Um, I, you know, I lost my job in the beginning of the pandemic and it didn't linger. You know, I, she was somewhat of that calming voice, like, you know, don't worry, you know, you'll, you'll get on your feet, you know, but it was also like, Hey, you know, don't don't sell yourself short. You know what I mean? Wait for the opportunity. You're better than X, Y, and Z. You know, be you know, be careful, but be but be smart. Um and I've learned over the years that there is her voice in my head. And whether that's the voice in my head telling me, no, no, this person's treating you poorly. Or if it's the voice that says, I think you're going to be okay. I think I'm going to carry that voice forever. And uh, I'm glad to say that, you know, I'm going to call her here in a little bit because she actually went out today with some friends um, for Mother's Day. So um, I am going to call her. Uh, Mom, we love you. I love you. Um, thank you for being tough. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for always believing in me, which is another thing. She believes in me no matter what. And uh, thank you for showing us that hard work pays off. Thank you for showing us that 
you can have a large family and you can share and you can be together. Um, thank you for, you know, loving me unconditionally. I did some really shitty things. Um, and I, I did some really stupid things and no matter what, you've always been there for me. Um, I realized I'm a lot more like you than I thought. And that's, and that's okay with me. So I love you, mom. Happy mother's day. Happy mother's day to everybody else. You guys don't forget to follow me, Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or the main four. Um, Instagram, I'm just, I'm underscore just underscore talking. Um, regular Instagram, C-E-L-L-O-0902. Most of you guys that are following me and listening, I know. Uh, Mama Willie, hope you listen. Happy Mother's Day. Lisa D. Uh, Jessica, if you hear, make sure your mom knows. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Carol, happy Mother's Day. Bella, Amy, Chris, happy Mother's Day. Anybody else, happy Mother's Day. You guys all deserve it. Without mothers, there'd be none of us. Men would never be able to bear children. So we love you. You're all queens. Have a great day. Love to everyone. So then we also say... Respect, equality, and unity. Jello's out.